it's Tony Chapman, and welcome to Chatter That Matters. In this age of noise, I cut through the chaos and the confusion to focus on what matters most to your life, your career, your community, and our planet. At the beginning of every podcast, I ask an essential question, and then together, we go on a quest to mine for insights and identify the big ideas that will help you get to where you need to go. I'm going to begin my podcast by asking a tough question, possibly the toughest question I'll ever ask in Chatter That Matters, because it's a question that involves each and every one of us. And that question, are robots coming to take away our jobs? To get an answer, I went to Angela Donnelly. She's the founder of Corthentic. I've had Angela speak at conferences. I've interviewed her on the radio. and She's one that just comes with positivity, practicality, and purpose. I'm proud to say she's a newly minted Canadian. She came over from South Africa two years ago, bringing with her a stellar career in financial services and working for a global consultancy in human resources. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tony. I'm going to hit you with that tough question right off the top. Are robots coming to take away our jobs? Well, maybe some of them. Robots certainly can do a lot of things, but there's also a lot of things that they cannot do. They cannot look you in the eye, and if they cannot do that, they cannot establish trust with another human being in the way that we can. They cannot deliver personal service, thoughtful service with empathy that makes a person feel taken care of and truly valued and appreciated. So perhaps, perhaps we should worry less about what machines are capable of doing and worry more about what we are capable of doing. How are we measuring up on the stuff that sets us apart and that makes us truly human? Let robots do some of the human doing stuff and leave us to do the human being. So I, I love what you're saying, and it sounds very utopian, but I'm going to be a little bit cynical here because I see a lot of organizations that seem to be consumed with faster, better, cheaper, uh, getting more with less. And, and you're seeing it in terms of what we're dealing with, with mental health issues, we're dealing with uh, uh, an epidemic of stress leave. So how can you find that place where we can allow a human to be a human being versus just simply being a place to go to work? I believe wholeheartedly that there has never been a better time to put humanness right back at the heart of the organization. In my experience, there are not many people who wake up in the morning and go to work just to be mediocre. The dormant growth opportunity that is awaiting so many organizations right now is what walks through their doors every morning. Talented people hungry for their next personal growth opportunity. Engage them fully in the work that they do and provide them with an opportunity to not only survive but to thrive at the intersection of high performance and potential. This is the place where employees feel valued for the contribution that they make and where they will willingly pursue the goals and objectives of the organization as if they were their own on their quest to find personal excellence. So I, I, again, I'm, I'm accepting what you're saying, but 
one of the key areas that has to happen is you have to have leaders capable of leading that way versus just leaders focused on, did I deliver the results that I promised to deliver? Absolutely. But what the world needs so desperately right now, Tony, is authentic and legitimate leadership. Leaders are experienced as authentic when they sincerely care about their people, when they don't simply view their employees as, as a means to get the job done, but rather they view the job and the workplace as a means to grow exceptional talent. Because when people can do more and be more and experience that their leader cares for them and provides them with the opportunity to grow, they will commit and willingly go the extra mile for the organization. And in doing this, we get to close that gap between brand promise and customer experience. So as we talk about closing the gap, I went to one of your LinkedIn pages. And Angela, you talk a lot about this concept of intent. And you mentioned an individual called Esco Skatema. What did you learn working with him and then ultimately for him? When I was first exposed to Etsco, gosh, it was probably a good 10 years ago now, I was in a people development role at the time with a large private bank, and I was tasked with finding a leadership development program that would not only build the leadership capability that we had within the organization, but would also have a positive impact on our culture. Of course, at the time, I investigated all the, uh, the obvious top business schools and consulting firms that had various leadership programs, and somebody suggested to me that I consider Etsco Skatema, a niche boutique-type consultancy, which has really got teachings that are steeped in anthropology and philosophy and in social and behavioral psychology. And what was to come next was something that would really challenge my worldview of leadership and indeed my very experience as a human being. So not only did I witness firsthand the impact of ETSCO's work on the leaders in our organization, but for the first time in my own career, I could, I could really settle into, feel comfortable about being in the role as a leader because I no longer used people as my means to get the job done, but I could really see the workplace as a smorgasbord of, of stuff, of tasks, of deliverables, things that need to happen that I could use to empower my team members to achieve their own personal mastery. So when you, when you talked a little further about it, you said that spending time with him, and I'd love you to actually spend a little bit more of his story because when, when I read about his, his background and the gold mines and stuff, that coming out of it, that you linked words like care and growth together. How, how did that come about? Because when I hear care and I hear growth, I often find them mutually exclusive versus somewhat synergetic. Or, or mutually enabling, absolutely. So a bit of a backstory there. So Etsco started his career as an anthropologist in the mining industry in the 1980s in South Africa, which was a time fraught with employee dissent. And they had set out to do some research to understand employee satisfaction. You know, in those days, nowadays we talk about employee engagement and employee experience. Back in the 80s, it was really about employee satisfaction. And they were also setting out to understand what does employee satisfaction 
have to do with trust and leadership. Are the two of them, in fact, linked? So they did very extensive research. The, the findings of the research in itself is really fascinating. But without going into that today, there was one golden nugget that Etsko took out of the research that he did there. And that was that management is either accepted or rejected based on their perceived interest in their employees' welfare. In other words, do you sincerely care about me as a human being or do you just see me as a set of hands to get the job done that you need doing? And interestingly enough, trust is either granted or withheld on this basis. And so it was that this formed the, the core of the work that Etsco does to, till today, um, his care and growth model, and indeed his whole intent thematic is what underpins our work and what makes it so transformational. So you're asking, so from what I understand what you just said, if an employee, employee's trust in their leader and the organization is linked to, do you really care about me as a human being? Do you value what I bring to this company? So how do you start bringing that about? How do you start working with leaders so that they can understand that this is a priority in an organization if they're going to get that kind of growth that they're, they're after, that it really has a lot to do with how that level of trust and care mm. is valued? Mm. So what we're talking about here... Tony, is really about shifting the mindset of leaders. You know, there's always that argument about leadership. Are you born a leader? Can you learn to be a, build, a leader? Is it skills that are built up over time? And, and the other argument, what's the difference between a manager and a leader? And at the very heart of this, this is about the mindset, the intent of the leader. The intent is something that sits behind our eyes and in our heart, and in every moment determines how people perceive us. Are we there to get something from them or are we there to give to them? And if we look at managers and leaders and that distinction there, managers manage things. Leaders, however, lead people. Now, this is apparent when we consider the types of things that managers manage. If we were to say to you, what can you manage? You can manage budgets, you can manage spreadsheets, you can manage inventories, stocks, processes, and people. Now, the minute we put people into that category, we reduce them to things. When we try to manage people, we reduce them to things. It would sound strange to say, well, I lead a chair. The difference is that leaders are there for the people. They are the ones doing the giving. Managers are measured on what they get from their people, whereas leaders are there for their people. They are the ones doing the giving. Authentic and legitimate leadership requires a shift in the leader's intent from getting to giving. So I was really following this along in your article, and then even when you were talking at one of the conferences, and you used this example about fishing. And what I think is important for our listeners to hear is, is just because you're giving, it doesn't mean you're doing the work for them. Can you explain a little bit more, maybe using that analogy of the fish story? Because it was a real aha moment with the audience when you, when you talked about it. Absolutely. So, so the fish story, which is from an ancient proverb, which is the one which many of you have probably heard, which is that if you give a man to fish, you feed him for a day. Whereas if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. 
So essentially, it's really better to be teaching people how to do something for themselves rather than just doing it for them. So this proverb sits at the very heart of empowerment. This is what is empowerment is truly all about. Because when we look at empowerment, there are essentially three variables to empowerment. And if we were to think of that with our fishing analogy, the first two variables are to provide the means and the ability. If I'm teaching a man to fish, I need to provide him with a fishing rod, a fishing reel, the line, the bait, the access to water. I need to be very, very clear on my expectations and the standards that, that they should fish to. And I also need to spend time. I need to be out there in the hot sun with them, teaching them not just how to fish, but also helping them to understand why it is important for them to fish. So the first two variables there are means and ability. The third variable is accountability. Because if at the end of the day, hot and sweaty, we load all the equipment back into the truck and we drive in back home and I say to my new budding fisherman, you know what, don't worry. If you don't catch any fish, you can just swing past my place. I have a freezer full of fish. Come and get one anytime. What I've actually done is I have disempowered that individual. I have taken away his will to fish. And this is why it's so important that when we provide somebody with the means and ability, we also need to then hold them accountable for excellence. And when you do so, is that really the essence of trust? Because you've now given me permission to succeed or fail, but you've, you've trusted me that at least that I'm going to go after that? So what holds leaders back from trust? What holds any of us back from trust very often? The stuff that really derails us is that wicked relationship between trust and control. So what because, does that mean? Because if I'm going to trust that the outcome is going to be right, I need to be able to let go of control of my need to define the outcome. So in every moment that I'm into, it's really hard for me to let go of control of the outcome that I want. But until I'm willing to do this, until I'm willing to go into the moment with that trust, and we see this with leaders, unless a leader is willing to truly empower their people and then get out of the way. We see this. We see leaders running onto the field to play the game, to score the goal. They cannot be doing this. Their role is to watch the game and to be able to see every single player that they have on the field. And no matter how hard it might be to sometimes stay off of the field, their role is to see what's going down so that when they bring their team together, they can be very clear on what each one of those team members needs in order to win the game. Because at the end of the day, we're not just going to win the game. When we truly empower our people, we can win the tournament. That's fantastic. So, Angela, I know, first of all, thanks for doing this. I know how busy and what kind of, how much demand there is for your services. But for people listening, companies listening, where do I begin to make this move from being sort of transactional in getting to more transformational in giving? How, how would you advise people to at least start down that path of sort of that care and growth? So let me provide a little bit more context about giving and getting and intent. 
um, before I go into to how that might work in an organization. So in each moment that we exist in, in each situation that we face, our intent can operate in one of two ways. We can either be in that moment for what we want to get or for what we are willing to give. When we are there to get, we become defined by the moment. The moment owns us because we have no control over what we get. And we're crazy to think that we can control what we get. However, if we face each moment coming from a place of what we can give, what we can contribute, at every moment we have full control over what we give and the quality of our contribution. Our power, our strength is really based on our ability to give unconditionally, to face each moment according to what we give, not what's in our self-interest, but what is right for that moment. So when we come to developing this intent and helping people to understand and examine their intent in the organization, and I'm not going to go into any boring explanations of my workshops, but instead just talk about how it can work in an organization, because it really, it really can work, work in, in transforming three key levels. First of all, the individual. The individual themselves about helping them to really examine their intent and to identify any patterns and self-limiting beliefs that they might have and biases that are truly getting in the way of reaching their full potential so that they are able to not just do more, but be more. Because when we can courageously embrace change and disruption and see it as an opportunity for our own personal growth and mastery, that's when we can become more bold and agile in how we how we approach our work and the decisions we make. Human beings really grow through personal challenge where uncertainty forces us to adapt and to change. So the first one was the individual. What's the second? So the second level is all about the leaders, a lot of which we've already discussed today, but this is really around helping leaders to achieve their own personal growth. And they do this when they are truly empowered to be able to let go of their need to control the outcomes, to see their role as developing bench strength and really cultivating an environment of accountability. So now we've talked individuals and leaders. What's the third one? And lastly, it's the organization itself, which needs to foster an environment of continual learning and personal excellence. To do this, it needs to not only tolerate mistakes, thoughtful mistakes, but to almost encourage them because nothing stifles creativity and innovation faster than an over-regulated environment with petty controls and bureaucracy. Empowerment is the incremental suspension of control with the aim of cultivating accountability where people when faced with a decision will do what is right rather than what is expedient. So just start the transformation somewhere anywhere. And it doesn't have to be a top-down approach. It's always great when this stuff is modeled from the top of the organization. But it's quite disempowering to sit and wait for somebody else to start showing the change that you want to see. Because ultimately, change happens on the basis of an individual's moral choice. I like to think of the blue cheese analogy. 
And for those of you who know how blue cheese is made, small enzymes are injected into various places in a block of white cheese. It is then put away behind a closed door and over time, each of those places propagates and spreads. And eventually when you look again, you have blue cheese. And I think this is such a great, great example of how change can happen. If it happens and bubbles up wherever it can, it starts to spread. And from there, it really takes hold. Angela, the, um, I began this, this podcast asking you if robots would take her job. And here's the three things that I learned from you today. The first one is we should spend less time worrying about what robots can do and more time focusing on what humans are capable of. Two, there's, that there's a call out for legitimate and authentic leaders who deeply care about their talent, creating this environment where a job is there to bring out exceptional work. But the final thing that I really take away from this is this concept of intent. The, the shining eyes when you move from just getting and, and what's in it for individuals to much more of collective, where more transformational, where you're, instead of being a slave to a moment, you're part of a moment, you're part of a higher purpose. Angela, I know there's so many other articles you've got on LinkedIn. I hope you'll come back and do another episode of Chatter That Matters. And thank you so much for joining me today. Tony, you're welcome. And if I may just close with this, there are a lot more things that robots cannot do. I haven't seen one take care of their family or put a Band-Aid on a grazed knee or wipe away tears, smile at a stranger or hug their spouse when they get home from work or play with a dog or climb a tree. Let's put heart back into humanness. Amen. Thank you so much, Angela Donnelly, Corthentic. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you, Tony. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions. I'm Dave Trafford. <laughs>